Welcome to the Aftershock. Phil Leva here. I've got Colin Etnire, Alex Morgan, and Jamin Moore, who were both at the stadium. Guys, a 3-1 to one Earthquakes victory against FC Dallas after a difficult defeat against the Houston Dynamo. The Quakes come home, and they get a victory. We have goals from uh, Zvaldo Alanis, Christian Espinosa, and Cade Cowell, so from different parts of the field. Um, here's where I want to start off, guys, and whoever wants to jump in, just go for it. Cade Cowell with a 30-plus yard assist and a goal on the match. So the big question is, what, where do you guys want to see Cade Cal moving forward? Colin, I know that we've talked about whether or not he is most effective on the wing, or do we want to see him continue to play in the nine position? Your thoughts? I love you're putting me on spot. Well, for the, 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 real, the, the real conclusion about Cade Cal is that he's nuts. And so he's going he's gonna to be a difference maker for this team no matter what. You know, Wherever they put him, his talent level, his physicality, his pace – is going to be dangerous. I think it's just more a matter of kind of maximizing the totality of the attack. Uh, I think in the long run, he does end up as a number nine and he plays through the middle. I just think that this is the first time I've seen him consistently make the right decisions offensively and defensively through the middle. Uh, and if this keeps up, then, you know, that that's your answer, right? He ends up as a number nine. Um, but historically, he's been he's missed a lot of defensive assignments when he's played through the middle. That didn't happen so much today, but it happened a lot at the end of last season. It happened last week. Uh, and then offensively, I just think he's better when he's facing goal. And he, in Almeida's system, when you're a wide player, you are facing goal one-on-one with a guy and you can attack them from those wide areas. Sure. Uh, and he was nuts through the middle today. He was also nuts from the wide areas. I mean, that 30-yard pass sure. came from the left flank. He was good on the right flank too. He was good everywhere. There's like nowhere he's not good. So if he's graduated to the middle role already, great. I just think that I have more confidence in him on the wing. And one of the reasons why I think that's helpful is that they, the Quakes have not found a different player to make an impact from the left wing position. Fierro can't do it. Espinosa, you're taking away a lot of what makes him great when you flip him to the other side. Uh, and so for now, I'm kind of still leaning to Cowell being on the left, being his best option. So I do have to say that the pass from the left flank, as you said, that that 30 plus yard pass to set up the goal for Christian Fierro does um, sort of bolster that side of the argument. Also, too, Notice uh, if you go back and watch the highlight, how Cade Cowell completely undid Matt Hedges on on the goal when he uh, you know had that little fake and got around. So could see that effective on the wing as well. Now, Jamin and Alex, you guys are actually at the stadium and you got to see the play develop from overhead. You know, I'm Colin and I are both watching it on TV, so we don't get to see everything unfold the way you guys do. So from your perspective, guys, uh, what are you seeing there from Cade Cowell? What are you noticing in the match that we're not necessarily seeing here at home? First off, there's a question in the chat. Are we going to carry the press conference? The answer is absolutely yes. As usual, Alex and I will step out and we'll uh, go to the press conference. This was this was a game that I think put one in the column for Kate Cowell as a nine. I mean, for a number of reasons, which Colin's already, already talked about. We don't know that necessarily the situations develop and play out the way they were. And I think there's another debate, which is, you know, Fierro on the right and Espinosa on the left. And why was that even a thing today, right? So there's definitely some positional questions, and maybe we'll get a chance to ask Matias Almeida if he's in the right mood for it, um, and those are the right questions to ask uh, given our opportunity. But you know, I do think there's some interesting tactical things, decisions that are going on right now. And with Wando getting a red card, quite frankly, this becomes a moot point for the next game. Kate Cowell gets another opportunity, obviously, to make his case as a nine, because what else are they going to do? Um, obviously, they could go Andy Rios, but after today, no chance, right? You're definitely starting Kate Cowell at the nine 
with bells on. And if you get good performances out of Christian Espinoza when he's playing on the left, you might see more Christian Espinoza on the left as well, as much as I don't think many of us would prefer that, that he be on that side. And here's the thing, guys. I think that what we learned today is that Kate Cowell is 100% in the starting lineup. And that wasn't a given beginning of the season. Um, and look, we, we heard last season that Cade was being tracked by some top European clubs. And I hope they were watching today because today was a really good all-around performance from him. I mean, he's had some bright spots in the past, uh, but this was definitely his most complete game. Uh, an assist, a goal that was uh, with his left foot, which has been one of his weaknesses in the past. Uh, and I just think a really lively all-around performance that absolutely cements his spot. In the, in the starting lineup, be that on the left side or, or, or up top. Um, I think overall, this was a really good re rebound victory from the Quakes after their loss to Houston last week. Uh, at the start, they were a touch nervy. They almost gave away the, the ball two times uh, in the first two minutes. And it, it, uh, I felt a little bit like we were going to watch the Houston game all over again. Uh, but they settled in really well this time, I think. They started to control the ball. They didn't create a ton of chances from open play, but they got the ball in and around the box. And when you do that, then you're setting yourself up to get penalties, to get some good breaks, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Dallas did find some ways to get in behind, but the Quakes had actually pretty decent last-ditch defending. I mean, Fierro had that absolutely incredible clearance off the line, which has got to be the, the MLS defensive play of the week. Uh, and then JT also had a, a couple of really crucial saves. So all in all, I think this was a really strong performance from the Quakes and, you know, a great way to – uh, open open their season at the uh, PayPal Park. So I think another spot that we need to talk about, since we kind of discussed the striker position, a little bit of the wings, is the uh, the very central part of the attack, which is going through Chofis right now, La Chofis. So looking at her performance in the first half, considering the Quakes had nearly uh, 60 to 70% possession, I have to go back and look at the statistics there, but they had the majority of the ball in the first half. Chofis had the most touches out of anybody. Um, all And... and yet we didn't see a whole lot happening from that position. I'm curious as to what your guys' thoughts are in terms of, is, you know, when do we start panicking about the play coming from this position, or are we content with what's happening now at Chofi's playing at the 10? I think he's growing into it. Um, definitely there were some improvements today. Um, you know, I, I think the fitness part is still a question. He did come off after 70 minutes, and, uh, and it does provide a very different look as soon as they put – Andy Rios out, it was completely different. And we had talked about this, I believe, on the preseason show. And so, you know, to me, like, like there's still, I think, a question here in terms of when is it right for Chofis to drop in deep and and support the team playing out? He did that more to, tonight. We talked about that against that was missing against Houston. And when they did play out successfully and they and, and they played out and actually, you know, got forward with some numbers. Usually it was because Shofis had dropped deep and was supporting in those situations. Defensively, he looked a little bit more up to the task tonight. I think it's just a matter of he didn't play a lot with Chivas more recently. He's now going to be an every game starter. Like, I think this is just going to take time, guys. I don't I don't think we can throw him out there for two games and expect all of a sudden, like, you know, everything's going to be switched on and he's going to be fully connected with everybody and making all the right decisions offensively and defensively from the get go. I just don't see that as being realistic given his situation and how he's transitioned. What do you think, Colin? I mean, I think it's part the entire center of the of the field is is a 
it's an ecosystem issue. So it's not just Chofis in isolation. It's how he relates to all the players around him. Um, I think that he and Rometty both had stronger games today than they did last week. And I think that both of them actually have the same story, which is they're new to the team. They weren't playing a huge amount for their teams the last time they were playing competitive soccer. And now for the first two games, they've been relied on to eat up a lot of minutes. Uh, It definitely seemed like they were more comfortable as a part of the whole this time around. And hopefully, you know, you're just a, you're hoping that that will just continue that they'll get more comfortable and understand better. I love Chofis on the ball. I like it. I like that look and that approach a lot more than an Andy Rios approach where he's basically a second striker who plays from a deeper position, but he's not a guy who's going to be on the ball circulating, you know, being a metronome. I love that from Chofis, but you ultimately don't want him to be super far back and deep while he's doing those assignments assignments so ideally that's something that gets sorted out with yule and remedy remedy was stronger than last game yule doesn't quite didn't quite look up to his usual standard today and i think that's just something they're going to kind of grow into collectively and it's something that's going to change when judson comes back into the lineup as well and i think it'll make chofis look better when he has a judson behind him uh, and chofis did look like he was sharp on his defensive assignments too and I, I think it is worth mentioning that Chofis is, for this season, a DP. Uh, we actually broke that news on Quake Zappa Center earlier this week. Colin had an excellent video explaining that move, uh, and I encourage everybody to check it out. After the game, we'll put it in the, the show descriptions below. Uh, and I think it does uh, add a bit of pressure on him. You know, it, it signals, you know, that is his salary. He should be putting in those DP performances, even though it is – mostly in accounting, I think it had some pressure on him. Uh, but but really my takeaway from the midfield today was more about Jackson, Ewell, and Eric Rometty in the middle because uh, I think they were they were pretty poor. I think uh, they looked a little untethered out there without uh, Judson, and uh, I, I'm going to watch out for that more uh, as we go forward in the season. But I think we have to take it to uh, Matias Almeida for the press conference right now. Sounds good. Seems like we'll send you guys over to that, and Phil and I will just have a nice little chat between us. So, uh, Colin, oh, here we go. Oh, there, no, there it is. It's live already. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Good. Unmuted. Muted. Firstly, good evening. Sí, siempre hablo, no solamente después del partido, hablo antes, hablo durante la semana. Es un joven que que va a ir creciendo a medida que pasen los partidos. I always talk. I don't just talk after the game. I talk before. I talk to him during the week. He's a youngster who has to be um, carried out. Tiene algo fundamental para mí. For me, there, he has something fundamental. Que es su humildad y su gana de, de seguir aprendiendo. Which is his humility. Hay que llevarlo tranquilo. We have to take him calmly. Es muy joven. He's really young. Y aquellos que hemos debutado jóvenes sabemos que muchas veces. Eh, La cabeza tiene que ser fundamental para no creerse nada. And for those of us who, has de- who have debuted at a young age, your head is fundamental to not believe other things. En ese sentido lo veo muy bien. In that sense, I see that he's doing really well. Eh, por eso remarco su humildad. 
That's why I highlight his humility. Y solo deseo que él pueda disfrutar de jugar al fútbol. And I just wish that he enjoys playing football. Sin, sin presiones. Without pressures. En el fútbol el tiempo es quien marca la carrera de cada uno. In football, time is what makes everybody's career. Pero para eso hay que trabajar la But for he got over many aspects. Él va por buen camino. He's going on the right path. Thank you, Matias. Next question from Jamin Moore. Good evening, Matias. How are you doing? Good evening. Congratulations on the uh, victory. Um, we, we saw some interesting, uh, you know, things tonight so, in terms of uh, the look that you gave uh, FC Dallas. One of the things that we noticed is that Carlos Fierro and Christian Espinoza played on different sides. What did you see tactically or what did you plan during the week? Uh, as to why those two players played on different sides than they normally play. I think the fans are curious uh, for your thoughts on the, on why why that was different today. It seemed to work. So congratulations on that. Okay. Este partido se vio algunas cosas interesantes. Una de ellas que Carlos Fierro y Espinosa jugaron, cambiaron de lados. Eh, ¿por, qué, ¿Por qué elegiste hacer eso? Es que viste tácticamente eh, que nos podía ayudar, que se vio que salió bien. Y felicidades por el triunfo. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Eh, ellos tienen la libertad de ir cambiándose de posición. They have the freedom to change their positions. Y tienen la libertad de donde se sienten más cómodos de quedarse. And they have the freedom to be to stay wherever they feel most comfortable. Saben los movimientos que tienen que hacer tanto de derecha como de izquierda. They know the movements that they have to make on the right or the left. Pueden jugar por el medio también. They can also play through the middle. Y bueno, eso también es un beneficio para nuestro equipo y me pone feliz por los dos. And that's a benefit, a benefit for our team, and it makes me really happy for the both of them. Hicieron un gran trabajo en fase defensiva. They did a great job defensively. Y un gran trabajo en fase ofensiva. And they did a great job offensively. Nosotros tratamos de priorizar que cada jugador corra y juegue. We try to prioritize that every player runs and plays. Todos corren y todos juegan. Everybody runs and everybody plays. Bueno, cuando terminamos con un triunfo, eh, tiene un sabor especial. And when it ends with a victory, it has a special taste. Thank you, Matias. Next question from Alicia Rodriguez. Thank you very much, uh, Matias. Congratulations on the victory today. Wanted Thanks. to ask about, um, I assume since there were so many goals, the goals are probably going to get a lot of the attention. But I wanted to ask about, to me, what seemed like one of the turning points of the game, which was uh, the goal line clearance from Carlos Fierro. Uh, What were your reactions to it? It was an extremely athletic play, and and uh, did you feel like that was something of a turning point in the game as well? Okay, con tantos goles, obviamente muchos van a mirar solamente los goles y poner mucha atención sobre eso. Pero para ella, uno de los momentos clave del partido donde se se cambió fue cuando Fierros rechazó sobre la línea. ¿Cuáles fueron tus eh, qué sentiste cuando sacó eso y, y si coincidís que ese fue un momento que no les empezó a cambiar el partido? Eh, uno de los momentos. I think that was one of the moments. El mejor momento del partido para mí. I think the best moment of the game. Fue cuando a los dos minutos. Was two minutes in. Tuvimos dos errores. We had two mistakes. Eh, siempre le digo a los jugadores que se animen a equivocarse. I always tell players dare to make mistakes. Que tengan esa personalidad para repetir la jugada. Have the character to repeat that play. Porque es la única manera que tenemos de crecer. Because that's the only way that we can grow. Entonces valoro mucho esos dos errores que tuvimos. So I value greatly those two mistakes that we had. Ahora valoro mucho más la valentía para intentarlo nuevamente. 
but I also value greatly the braveness that they had to try it again. Thank you, Matthias. One last question in English comes from Michael Roberson. How impressed were you with the offense today? Oh, el equipo me gustó, eh, pero me gustó por el rival que enfrentamos. I, I like the team, but I like them because of the opponent we were up against. El rival es un rival que tiene un lindo estilo. They're an opponent that has a, a good style. Eh, he felicitado a su entrenador. I've congratulated their coach. Eh, juega con jóvenes. They play with youngsters. Se ve que tienen un proyecto. You can see that they have a project. Y yo que amo el fútbol me pone feliz cuando veo eh, esos trabajos desde afuera. And for myself, who loves football, I get happy when I see those, those work, that work being done from the outside. Es un equipo muy dinámico. They're a very dynamic team. Un equipo que está conformado bien en todas sus líneas. Their team has formed strongly in each line. Y bueno, nosotros sabíamos que enfrentábamos un equipo difícil. And we knew we were up against a difficult side. Y creo que fuimos grandes intérpretes del partido que teníamos que jugar. And I think we were great interpreters of the um, game that we had to play. Me gustó en la fase ofensiva. I like the offense y me gustó mucho en fase defensiva and i also liked it a lot defensively donde todos entregaron todo lo que tenían where everybody gave everything that they had thank you matias switching over to spanish now uh, next question from carlos ramirez profe cómo te va carlos mauricio un abrazo un abrazo carlos eh, quiero preguntarte un par de cosas rápida me pareció quiero confirmarlo contigo que luego el penal de osvaldo eh, cuando te va a abrazar, hace un gesto al cielo y me pareció que fue hacia tu papá. Eh, te fueron todos a abrazar y me pareció un momento para mí muy emotivo. ¿Fue así? ¿Y, ¿Y qué significa ese momento para ti? ¿Qué crees que dice de tus jugadores? Sí, fue así. Realmente yo soy un agradecido al grupo que entreno. Eh, ellos saben el, el cariño que les tengo a todos. No solamente por este acto de, de bondad, este acto de humildad que han que tuvieron para conmigo, y no por cómo se entregan cada día. Y bueno, todos ellos, al tener mucho diálogo, saben lo que significa y significaba mi padre en mi vida. Entonces, eh, soy un agradecido a que ellos hayan pensado en ese momento en, en mi padre y en mí. Y en la parte futbolística, Matías, eh, hablabas de los errores y, y cómo te gusta que los jugadores los enmienden. ¿Cómo fue la toma de decisión para quien cobraba el segundo penal, justamente entendiendo que a Cristian le habían atajado el primero? Bueno, eso también habla de, de un grupo unido, un grupo que, que quiere más, donde no hay egoísmo. Y Osvaldo eh, lo pidió y bueno... Eh, fue él. Digamos que está bien eso, me gusta, porque eso demuestra la humildad y que tiene cada uno de ellos. Eh, no quieren sobresalir solos, quieren sobresalir en equipo, que eso es fundamental. Thank you, Matías. One last question from John Rojas. Thanks, Jake. Um, gracias, Matías, por el tiempo. Dos rápidas, Matías. Um, con las dificultades que han tenido con la pretemporada sin poder jugar amistosos, con las cosas personales que han ido pasando, este triunfo después de no haber tenido victoria en el primero, ¿vale más en lo, en lo cultural proceso que en los mismos tres puntos per se? Y la otra es cuando Justin entra, me parece a mí que juega más por la lateral, por derecha, que por el centro, su posición más natural. ¿Es esta una opción que va a manejar durante la temporada o dependerá de momentos específicos? 
Sí, la segunda sí, entró de lateral, Jutson es un jugador que, que lo puede hacer. Eh, nosotros justo en la semana habíamos tenido eh, a nuestros dos laterales lesionados, como Abecasi y Marcos López. Y bueno, consideraba que el cambio era ese y también para que empiece a ganar minutos Jutson porque esto no pudo estar la pretemporada, no pudo jugar ningún partido, los tendrá que ir eh, jugando así eh, hasta que él se sienta bien, ¿no? Eh, porque es un jugador importante para nosotros. La primera pregunta, eh, creo que lo tomo como, como un, un arranque diferente a los otros dos arranques que tuvimos. Nosotros los dos torneos pasados eh, no, no pudimos ganar los primeros partidos. Entonces, eh, me gustó eso, ese cambio de, de mentalidad. De, de no conformarnos, el otro día habíamos jugado un primer tiempo malo, el segundo tiempo habíamos mejorado y, y ellos pueden, pueden más, pueden como hicieron hoy, entonces eh, está bueno cuando está el triunfo, hoy era el primer partido que se abría para gran parte de, de nuestro público, estaban nuestras familias, bueno, creo que es importante por, por muchos aspectos, en lo personal, la alegría que me llega ahora es cuenta mucho para el momento que, que he vivido y que seguí viviendo por mucho tiempo. All right, thank you very much, Matías and Augustine, and congratulations again on the victory. Thank you. All right, guys. So one of the questions that Matias just answered was in regard to Judson playing at right back when the subs were made. Um, we haven't had an opportunity to really talk about this yet. Is this uh, an option that Matias Almeida can actually use for the team moving forward? Or does this just seem like sort of a plug in while the team comes back to fitness? Because we do have uh, Remedy and Jackson Ewell both playing as a pivot. Do Are we going to see that switch from that sort of positional play? Or will we see Jutsen going back to playing as a sweeper for this team in front of the defense? I hope not. Or and, and I hope we don't see him at right back. I think that that'd be a problem. I think that he's one of the best sixes in the league, uh, a real enforcer and ball winner. And I think that there actually are some good options at right back. And right now it's just a more reflection of, you know, they're down two fullbacks by injury. And Almeida likes rotating those guys because he really does make them work hard uh, running up and down the flank. So I hope not. I hope Judson is returning to that sixth position and Remedi gets heavy rotation, but not as a right back. Yeah, I, I, I 100%. Real quick, if, uh, Alex, uh, just really quickly, I just want to add another layer there too. Matias Almeida also stated that he likes that his players have the, the freedom or that they actually have the freedom to move positionally. So there was an earlier question brought up um, that somebody asked about Espinoza and Fierro. Jamin, I'm not sure if you were the one who asked that question. I was kind of in and out there for a second with, this, with the audio. But, um, you know, just having that mentality seems that something that Matias wants to instill in the players as well. And Alex, I know you were about to say something if you want to jump in. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true, Phil. And I think some of that attacking fluidity is important when they're trying to break down uh, teams, especially because Dallas pressed really high at the start, but then they dropped deeper into a, a compact mid block. And so, you know, being able to have that movement in the final third is really important. Uh, I'm also going to agree with Colin in that I hope Juden uh, slots back into the midfield 
uh, because that he, he, he's really needed there, as I was talking about before the press conference. Uh, they looked a little untethered in the middle without him. And I actually think that, uh, at, at, you know, both San Jose's fullbacks played pretty well today. I was nervous about Paul Marie getting the start, but, uh, man, he looked like their best defender in those first 10 minutes because the, the other uh, players in the back line looked pretty shaky. He also had some good looks going forward, I think. Uh, he's always pretty eager to get forward down the wing. Uh, but I think his end product has improved, uh, you know, as evidenced by <laughs> the goal he scored against against Houston last week. Uh, and so, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with how well he played back there. And that, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that removes some of the worries that I have about the vulnerability of this this defense going forward. Yeah, I asked the question about the fluidity, and, and honestly, I'd asked a similar question last year, and I fully expected the answer that I got, but I thought the fan, the fans would be interested in it. JT is now joining, so we're going to go back to the press conference. Hi, JT. Um, you obviously go up against Kate Cal and practice a lot. Just what is it like basing him as a goalie and I guess, are you surprised he kind of had a breakout performance today? Definitely not surprised. Um, I think it's been time coming. I think his improvements over the past two years have been um, leaps and bounds. And I think, as you saw today, there's there's so much there and there's so much potential still. Um, he's nowhere close to how good he can be, um, which is great for us because he's going to keep getting better even in the past uh, two months, I would say, and especially this offseason. His improvements have been um, huge. And so he's a really great kid, and we're all so happy for him and uh, really just looking forward to more. Thank you, JT. Next question from Jamin Moore. Hey, JT. Congratulations on the win today. Thank you. Um, so the first 10 minutes or so were, were interesting to say the least. I think it was nerve-wracking for the, for the fans watching. But... Now, what were you guys saying to each other in order to kind of calm things down and get back into the game at that point? Obviously, you escaped without giving up a goal, but you could have. And uh, but and, and you didn't, and you went on to, to obviously kind of get control of the game later on. So how did you guys, you know, kind of deal with that particular situation and come out of it? Yeah, I mean, it was a poor start for me. I, I mean, getting the ball caught underneath my feet, um, it's not something how you want to start the game. But, you know, I think Matias, the one – of many great things about him is that he wants us to risk and he wants us to try things. He wants us to play. Um, and so I think that's just we, what we want to do. Uh, we're obviously going to make mistakes, but our biggest thing is just trying to limit them. And I think definitely has better uh, to start the game. But um, I think after those five, five, 10 minutes, you were saying definitely got a lot better. And um, I think throughout the first half and in the second half, we just showed our quality and show, um, where our standard needs to be. Um, I think there's a lot of things to grow from, a lot of things to learn from, but I think it was it was a really big step uh, from last week. Thank you, JT. Next question from Jonathan Siegel. Hey, JT, thanks for doing this. Um, I know you were asked about Kate a short while ago, um, but you, uh, a young guy who's who's, growing and trying to learn in this league. So by using your experience and how you've evolved, what do you think will be most key for Cade as he grows into this? Because there's going to be some talk and some hype around it now. So like when you're a young player, how do you kind of navigate through that to maximize your potential? Yeah, I mean, I think for him, it's 
it's going to be easy for him. Um, he has a great head on his shoulders. He's very down to earth, works really hard every day. He does all the little things. Um, so he's not one of those guys who's going to be all high and mighty uh, after one good performance. Because at the end of the day, it was it was one, and I think we're all looking forward to so many more from him. Um, there's going to be plenty of more opportunities and plenty of more games for him to play and, and showcase his quality and, and get better. Um, and I think we're all just really looking forward to it. And uh, I think the thing is the veterans in the locker room, obviously you have Wando, you have Shea, you have Christian, even Jackson now, um, Tommy. I think they'll definitely do a good job of making sure that his, his head stays level and uh, he doesn't get too high on himself. Thank you. Next question from Fabian Renkel. Hi, JT. Congratulations on the win today. Thank you. When Carlos Fierro saved the ball off the line, what was going through your mind? What does it mean to you to have one of your wingers come and save the ball off the line for you? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I think it's a representation of kind of the team spirit that we have. Uh, everybody's willing to work for each other. Everybody's willing to do the dirty work, um, which is really unique. Like you said, uh, Carlos is a winger, and he's coming back getting sliding kind of clearance off the line um, is huge. I think that's kind of the basis of who we are. Uh, everybody works. Like Matias likes to say, everybody runs, everybody plays. So I think that's just our mentality, and we want to keep it going for the rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you, JT. This question comes from Anthony Flores. What was like in front of fans at home for the first time in more than a year? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I think, like we've all been saying this entire week, they're kind of the, the heartbeat of this club. Um, their passion, their noise, um, their intensity throughout the game, it's what gives us the extra boost. Um, it was, it's, it's just a different feeling when they're there. Uh, last year was difficult for everybody, and um, including the players, to play without fans. Uh, I think the fans kind of are what makes the game so special. Um, they're as big as part of it as we are. Um, and I think we're all just looking forward to playing in front of them again and uh, hoping to have more as the season goes on. Thank you, JT. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Carlos Ramirez. Uh, hi, JT. Carlos Ramirez, Hello, Mundo. Uh, how was the pitch? Because today was the first day we started the new kit. We saw the new pitch. It looked from afar, it looked more steady, more firm. Was that so? And how do you think it impacted the game? Yeah, it's great. Um, they did a amazing job this offseason to to replace it and put in a new one um, i think it it shows in <clears throat> just our ability to play uh, it's very predictable uh, there's not much slipping and sliding going on compared to the years before but um, i think that no matter what field we play on we need to play our game uh, it doesn't really doesn't really matter what the pitch is it could be good it could be bad it could be wet it could be dry uh, we just need to keep keep playing our game and uh, keep the intensity really high Thank you. And last question from Alex Morgan. Unmuted. Thank you. Muted. Yeah, I mean, I think we've just seen how much uh, heart this team has. Uh, we kind of pride ourselves on being a brotherhood and being a family. And so I think 
it's something that's really special and unique. Uh, I think in terms of goal setting, all we're trying to do is just improve every day. Uh, just get a little bit better every single day on every every aspect of the game, uh, defending, attacking, pressing, keeping the ball, uh, even all the little things, set pieces. There's so much that goes into the game and so much that um, I think we still need to work on. So I think a big goal for us is just coming in, working hard every day and really pushing each other to, to get the best of each other. All right. Thank you very much, JT, and congrats again on the victory. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. What a great set of responses from JT Marcinkowski. Alex, real quick, before we continue, could you just uh, restate the question that you asked, JT, because we lost your audio for a moment there. Of course. I, I asked JT, my question was uh, basically, uh, you know, what his expectations are for this season, because Matias Almeida had said during preseason that, you know, you don't really know what you're working with. Uh, until you get a couple games under your belt. And so after the loss to Houston and the, the victory today, I asked him um, you know, what he thinks they're working with and what their weaknesses are and, and what that means for the goals that they're setting this season. And I thought that his answer was you know, really professional. I think he's, uh, even though he's one of the younger players on the team, he's really a leader back there in goal. And it's uh, really amazing how much he stepped up to that number one uh, role uh, since he got the starting spot. Uh, last September uh, and you know he had a couple nervy moments uh, early on in this game uh, he almost gave the ball away but I think he made up for it with a couple key saves uh, and you know he was talking about how Almeida actually encourages them to take those risks in building out of the back uh, and you know I think that they could have been a little more conservative given how hard uh, Dallas were pressing them I think if they'd opted to play the ball long uh, a couple times just to get uh, some of those you know their legs under them and to get some of those nerves settled down. Uh, I think that probably would have been the more prudent thing to do, but you know, Matias Almeida, he's gung ho about it. He is uh, not going to change his philosophy or his style of play for anybody. Uh, and so, you know, it ended up working for the place in the second half. They were really much better uh, at building out of the back and, 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 you know, building out the ball. So this is one of the great benefits of having such a strong, uh, energy between the players as teammates, like being able to cover each other's bases, you know, if you would, when things don't necessarily go the way they want them to. Uh, Favian from Tectonics Takes asked a question about how JT felt when uh, Fierro came over and kind of helped out by making that goal line clearance. And JT responded, um, it's as Matias says, everybody runs, everybody plays. So we can see that the players are clearly playing for each other. And when you have that, uh, sort of safety net of the other veteran players or the guys who are always going to be there to kind of uh, help rectify your mistakes, you can absolutely play at another level. You can play with the freedom that Matias asks of them, you know? Um, and Colin, I know you, you kind of wanted to talk about this, this whole concept of like being brave on the pitch when things don't necessarily go your way. If you want to kind of uh, flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the the reason I wanted to kind of go in on this is that, you know, I, I'm someone who's been, fr you know, frustrated with Almeida in the past when he does things that don't seem pragmatic or or prudent, right? Uh, but there's kind of a, a trade-off in some ways between tactical elements and psychological elements. And one of the things that Almeida is doing that is so clear is he's saying, like, when you make a mistake, I want you to be brave enough to go play that exact same thing again. That's and the answer when he said that was given in response, actually, he redirected the Fiero question. He said, the Fiero moment was a good moment, 
But the the problem is, or but he's like the moments I wanted to focus on are the two errors we made, and then we went right back at it and did them again. And so, you know, is there a tactical naivete to that? Does it sometimes look really stupid if it doesn't work? Sure, but. Almeida's confidence in his players is unwavering and it clearly translates to them and it gives them confidence to play their game. So the, and the, the, the contrast is with the negative managers out in the world that are reactive, that want to minimize mistakes. And they have players that are just playing out of fear all the time. You know, I had the distinct displeasure of watching Jose Mourinho manage uh, Tottenham over the last 17 months. And they were just, players were terrified the entire time to make a mistake. And Almeida saying like, if you make a mistake, I want you to go take another bite of the apple. Like, go, you know, you know, have the huevos for that, right? And I just think that that psychology is translating to this team very strongly, and that's their strongest attribute. So there's going to be times when they do stuff that doesn't tactically make sense, but it kind of comes out of this really strong psychological foundation. And I think that's really interesting that that's what they're emphasizing. And, Jamin, if you want to take a moment to jump in here, too, you had an opportunity to ask JT uh, a question. So your thoughts in regards to his role as an upcoming leader on the on the team well so one of the things that i define leadership as is it, 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 whether it's in work or, or it's in life is really someone who will own up to their mistakes and the very first thing that jt said when i try to paint a question is in a more broad sense as to hey you guys had some mistakes in the back in the first 10 minutes he immediately said i had a mistake and and that's on me I like that. That's a leadership trait that that's really important. And I think it's kind of been missing, to be quite honest, um, from from some elements of this team in the past. The fact that he he owns up and says, I got to fix that is a, is a really good sign from a leadership perspective. And I think the guys respond well to that. The guys playing in front of him um, respond to that. If he says, look, you know, I let you guys down, you know, it's on me and I will fix it. Um, and then, you know, and they and they did let him down later in the game. And then he let them know, right, when they gave up that goal, it was, we were, we were saying here, it was like a bunch of U8 soccer going on there for a little while. It was kind of Mickey Mouse. And that was just the guys tiring down around the 80th minute. You know, it happens at the second game of the season. And they got sloppy and goal through the middle. You should never give up goals through the middle. Wakes give up too many goals through the middle. One of the things that JT was quick to do was to talk to the players and what they did and what they should have done differently in that situation and correct it. That's also what a leader does. Takes immediate action in order to change it. Those are those are two really key things for me and why I think JT has has risen at this point to be, you know, wear the number one shirt and be the, the starting goalkeeper for this. So let's go quickly to the other side of the pitch here, since we're talking about uh, the sort of what's going on in the penalty box. There were two penalties called against FC Dallas. Uh, the first, uh, <laughs> Christian Espinoza came up and put the ball on frame, however, did not score the penalty. The second, taken by Alanis, who we have seen take set pieces before, but to come in as a more experienced player on the team and convert the penalty to give the Quakes their first goal of the game. Uh, what are our thoughts here, gentlemen, on how what the Quakes' approach should be to taking penalties moving forward? I mean, I think Chris Wondolowski always has to be your go-to penalty taker when he's on the field. Not only is he the most consistent uh, player in terms of scoring penalties, but it adds more goals to his goal-scoring record. And you know, that's always uh, that's always a good thing. I'm getting some vigorous nods from Colin in agreement there. Um, 
but I think when he's not on the field, you, you have you have to stick with Alanis at this point. You know, I, I don't have any problem with Espinosa. You know, I don't really think we have data to make like a good conclusion either way about who is, you know, the most optimal penalty taker. But you know, when it comes to penalties, I really think the psycho the psychological element is super important and you know in my opinion you always want to stick with the guy who's hot and right now that's Alan East because he you know pretty coolly converted that penalty yeah, both of them have taken dead ball situations for the team in the past Alan East has taken a couple of those wide free kicks uh, he's even taken some corners here and there which is odd for a center back um Espinosa is one of the most common right-footed center back takers and done a lot of the dead ball work I think both of them are perfectly capable of the dead ball um it's it's kind of a psychology thing. You know, Wando has taken, a, you know, three dozen penalties now in his MLS career. Um, so he knows what he's doing and he's comfortable and confident. And as Alex said, honestly, if Wando just continues adding to his record, I'm I'm there for it, you know, win, lose or otherwise, even if he wasn't any better than those guys. But I think that we do have some reason to believe that he's the right mentality for it. Um, yeah. Go ahead, and and by the way, in terms of how they're both awarded, I think that the first one, I mean, both were definitely penalties, but the first one, you know, I think Espinosa's overdramatic, you know, rendering of the penalty perhaps, you know, made people skeptical of it, but it was definitely a penalty. Can I just, I want to butt in really quickly here. Since I've been watching the Quakes over the last like 12 years or so, they have never been a good penalty taking team, like in the entire time that I've watched them. So, my hope is that they get that figured out this season. And I was actually really convinced by Alanis's penalty. So that's all I wanted to add in there. It looked like Alex, you wanted to, to jump in as well. I'll just briefly jump in here uh, before Jamin, just to add some data uh, to, to that analysis, uh, Phil, because they had actually, uh, you know, after Espinosa missed his penalty, that was the fourth consecutive penalty they had missed in major league soccer. Cause they, they missed all three against sporting Kansas city uh, in the playoffs. Uh, last season, so it was good to sort of break that streak with, with Alanis. But I just wanted to support your your conclusion there with some with some data. Yeah, I, I'll give you the I'll give you the quick. So seventy five percent of uh, penalties are converted in MLS on average. So if you're around that seventy five, you're doing fine. Uh, Colin also put out a really uh, interesting stat uh, on the uh, Quicks episode, or at least I think it was you, Colin. I know there's like three or four people man in the account, but <laughs> I'll, I'll own that one. So you'll own that one. So if I, I'll, I'll, let me see if I got it right. So the Quakes were like the worst or, or took the fewest penalties in 2019 in the league. I, I think at zero, maybe, maybe it was one. Okay. Zero. And then in tw and one, okay. And in 2020, they had the most in the league. So one of the things that definitely does happen over time is these things tend to even out. So really what you want to be seeing is when we get it, we're getting about 75% of them. And if you've got somebody who can do 75%, that's probably your guy. Um, Alanis, I like. Chauvis, potentially, I like. Um, and one of the things that we saw with Magnus Eriksson was also a left-footed penalty taker. I think he never missed, if I remember right. I think he was something like seven for seven, eight for eight, somewhere in that range. So I actually kind of like the left-footer because I think it gives goalkeepers a little bit different look than they may face in practice. Um, and I don't think as many teams have a left-footer. So it does give, I think, something a little bit different in any edge you can get and a penalty, particularly with the calm approach that someone like Alanis is going to bring to that, I think is a positive. So ultimately, get to 75% and you're doing okay. Okay, I have one last thing I want to talk about here, and I've been kind of avoiding this purposefully because it's difficult to bring up, and that is the Chris 
Wondolowski red card. Uh, this actually initially was a yellow card, and then the ref went to VAR, reviewed it, and determined that it was a red. Now, before I give my take on it, because I don't know that uh, the folks who are listening right now are necessarily going to agree with what I have to say. I'd like to hear what y'all think about, about this, maybe starting with Colin, since we haven't heard uh, from you for a moment. I just, I just love Phil and I think alike on a lot of things like shockingly alike. And I actually suspect that you may be on the same side as me here. I think that's a red card. Uh, I do. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of stupid. It's not, you know, one of those, you know, egregious, Oh my God, how could he ever do that? One of the weird things that happened was his his right or the defender i'm now i'm forgetting who the defender was that he that he stepped on but his right trailing foot kind of slid a little bit into a position that you wouldn't necessarily expect it and that's where Alwando steps on his ankle so in normal circumstances yeah, decides, the way he sorts out his feet wouldn't lead to it over to the uh, press um, we'll cut over to it first to half to me it, it felt like a, a turning point in the game um wanted to ask how it felt to to make the play it was a pretty athletic play and um did you feel like it was it was the turning point in the in the game uh for the team thanks de que tuviste un buen partido pero para ella el mejor momento fue cuando te lanzaste que la chance ese balón que iba a cruzar que iba a entrar en gol como como cuál fue tu reacción qué qué pasó por tu mente y si tú crees que que fue el el cambio para todo el equipo muchas gracias Eh, sí, uno eh, como jugador no puede dar por perdida ninguna pelota, y menos cuando eh, nos pueden hacer gol. Eh, me tocó sacarla a mí, pero bueno, contento por eso y contento por, por el resultado. El funcionamiento del equipo mejoró y nos vamos muy contentos con, con la victoria. Gracias por eso. Fui muy afortunado de estar en el lugar correcto y pude hacer mi parte. Afortunadamente, pude sacar la pelota, pero. Um, I think that just speaks for for the team, and right now we're just very happy for for the team's victory. Thank you, Carlos. Next question from Fabian Rankle. Hola, Carlos. Gracias por tu tiempo hoy. Hola, hola. Hola, hola. ¿Cómo te sentiste jugando esta semana en, compara en comparación con la semana pasada? Eh, mucho mejor, eh, si lo viste bien, eh, hoy el equipo generó más, eh, llegamos más por las bandas, eh, generamos muchas jugadas en comparación del partido pasado donde tocamos muy poco la pelota a los delanteros, hoy fue totalmente diferente, el equipo generó eh, lo que se practicó, eh, se hizo en el partido y bueno, contento por, por lo que se hizo y sobre todo por el resultado, como le dije. So for everyone, the, the question was on how he felt today versus um, last match. And uh, Theo responded, uh, yeah, overall, a lot better. Um, as you can tell, we were able to um, to play our, our style. Uh, we were able to attack more on the sides, um, have more position of the ball. Uh, last game, we weren't really able to do our attacking place, but uh, this time was a lot different. We were able to generate more, attack a lot more. So. Uh, very happy for for the team's way of playing today, and uh, just looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Carlos. Next question from Jonathan Siegel. Hey, Carlos. Thank you for the time. Um, in your time with San Jose, how have you seen Cade Cowell evolve as a player, and what do you feel the 2021 season could produce for him? 
en tu tiempo aquí en San José, ¿cómo has visto la evolución que ha tenido Kekao y, y qué es lo que esperas de para, para este año? Es, para mí es uno de los, de los mejores jugadores eh, del equipo que tenemos, eh, está Chavo, eh, le faltan muchas cosas por aprender, pero como has visto, eh, le compita tú por tú por los grandes, él irá agarrando experiencia poco a poco, bueno, ahorita con su velocidad, con sus ganas, eh, nos ha ayudado mucho al equipo, eh, anotando goles, dando asistencias, y lo veo un jugador que fácilmente va a terminar en un equipo grande en Europa. Yeah, he's one of the best players, in my opinion, um, on the team. Uh, he's very young. He has lots to learn, uh, but I think we're here to help him out. And uh, you, you can tell that more, the more he plays, the more uh, confidence he, and, and growth um, you know, his part becomes part of him. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to have him. And we now see that he's contributing to the team on goals and assists. So uh, I can definitely see him becoming a player um, that can make that jump to Europe soon. Thank you, Carlos. Next question from Jamin Moore. Hi, Carlos. Congratulations on the win, and thank you for taking the time. Um, I'd asked uh, Matias about uh, you uh, today playing more on the right and Christian playing more on the left. Um, It seemed to happen a lot more today than it did against Houston. Is that something that you feel like you guys can do based upon what's going on on the field? And do you talk at all during the game and make decisions in the middle of the game in terms of who's going to stay on what side and for how long? Thank you. Dice que le preguntó a Matías hace rato que te vio más aquí jugando por la derecha y a Cristian a la izquierda. Dice que los están cambiando un poco más ahora que en el en el partido del otro de la otra semana y como que es un poco más constante ahora eh, que cuál es la comunicación que hay y cuál es el, el plan que está en desarrollo en esas eh, sí hoy me tocó jugar un poco más por derecha eh, pero es la libertad que, que nos da Matías los cuatro que estamos adelante y cada uno tiene que saber eh, qué hace en cada posición por si en, en algún corner o alguna jugada quedamos cambiados eh, saber lo que tenemos que hacer. No es que hoy yo haya iniciado por derecha, sino que en el partido se dio y hablando con Cristian tenemos la confianza de decir, hoy yo estoy mejor por izquierda, estoy por derecha y mantenemos. Es la confianza de, del entrenador y sobre todo los compañeros. Yes, today I was able to play on the right side. Um, I started on the, on the right and um, I think that just um, varies on, on the match. Um, I think it also speaks for the freedom that Matías gives us. And also for the confidence that I have with Christian, um, the more we play, the more we we're able to grow that confidence and the more freedom we have. And so uh, some of those calls happen during the game, um, some before, but uh, I'm just I just I'm just glad to play um, how we're doing right now and um, just be able to continue to have that good communication between us. Thank you. We're going to take three more questions, starting with Alex Morgan. Unmuted. Muted.
al principio del partido tuvieron malos pases, eh, tuvieron unas jugadas eh, de peligro eh, contra ustedes, pero luego el, el, el equipo reaccionó y, y cambió. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo fue esa comunicación eh, entre Matías y ustedes? Eh, ¿Cómo lo viviste? Sí, como lo dices, eh, empezamos mal, empezamos equivocándonos en algunas salidas, pero vuelvo a repetir sobre la confianza que nos da el entrenador. Él nos permite que nos equivoquemos, que tomamos riesgos para que el equipo pueda seguir jugando, eh, vaya generando jugadas y bueno, es la confianza, ¿no? Eh, este equipo se trabaja, eh, se basa en la confianza, por eso es que seguimos intentando, eh, eh, no cambiamos, por más que nos hayamos equivocado, el equipo sigue insistiendo en lo mismo en lo que se trabajó y al final eh, eh, ahí está el resultado, ¿no? Salieron las cosas. Yeah, like you mentioned and like I also mentioned earlier, um, I think it it just goes to the, uh, the the communication and the confidence that Matias has with us. Uh, we did start um, playing a little a little rough at the beginning, but we were able to turn that around thanks to him and thanks to the to the team and how they reacted. Uh, there's there's a lot of confidence uh, within the group. Uh, we were able to to feel that. We were able to show that today, and it's just a matter of continuing um, on that growth. Um, so. Matias gives us that liberty, that freedom, and, uh, and we're just looking forward to, to continue to, to improve on, on those aspects. Thank you. Next question from John Rojas. Thanks, Jake. Carlos, dos preguntas rápidas. La primera es, eh, ¿cuál es la gran diferencia de Carlos Cierro que tenía minutos y peleaba por minutos y el que hoy es influyente, fundamental y se incluso los premios y las felicitaciones de, de, de entregarse en la raya para salvar un gol. Y la otra es, este, esto, esta victoria, digamos, puede ser más importante desde, desde lo cultural, desde la confianza y, y el espíritu del equipo que en los mismos tres puntos. Sí, eh, he tenido momentos donde me ha, estado, me ha tocado estar en la banca titular, pero uno siempre eh, como jugador... Eh, tratar lo mejor de decir, no sean 5 o 10 minutos, o juegue los 90, siempre va a pensar en, en hacer el bien para el equipo, hoy que me toca el rol de estar de, de titular, bueno, lo sigo disfrutando, eh, tratando de, de seguir generando y apoyando el equipo y, y dar lo mejor de mí para, para que esté eh, bien el equipo. Y ¿Me puedes repetir la segunda pregunta, por favor, otra vez? Sí, si la victoria con todo lo que han eh, atravesado, digamos, significa más desde lo cultural y de la filosofía del equipo que los mismos tres puntos, desde la confianza. Sí, eh, como le dije en la pregunta pasada, eh, siempre vamos a insistir en, en nuestro juego, ¿no? Por más que cometamos errores, el equipo lleva una línea y una base de juego que, que lo, va, lo va a hacer durante los 90 minutos y bueno, eh, desde el, el año pasado lo venimos trabajando así, el equipo no va a cambiar. Así trabaja Matías y creo que cada vez nos vamos haciendo más fuertes para, para seguir con lo mismo. So the questions were on how uh, if the victory tonight had a more of a cultural, more of a uh, philosophical feel uh, over just three points. And he responded, uh, yes, I think that, just, that, that gives credit to, to the team and how we are united. Uh, we're just going to continue to push and play our style of game. Um, just like I mentioned in a previous question, Uh, we're looking to to do our, our thing and, and be able to continue to grow on on, on our confidence on the field and, uh, and I think the freedom that we give um, is a, is a really great way and we were able to show that today. 
All right, and last question goes to Carlos Ramirez. Tocayo, ¿cómo te va? Un abrazo. Tocayo, abrazo, gracias. Todo bien. ¿Cómo está la cancha? ¿Cuán, ¿Cuán diferente está el pasto? Que fue una de las cosas que el equipo se enfocó eh, de este año al año pasado. ¿Y, ¿Y qué efecto tiene en el juego y en la calidad de, de juego que les pide Matías? Fíjate que mucho la, la cancha, la verdad que está hermosa. Eh, quedó perfecta. Eh, para la manera en que jugamos nosotros, de parar y tocar, eh, hacer eh, movilidad, cambios de juego, ocupamos un terreno de juego donde el balón no, no se eleve. La verdad que influye mucho eso en nuestro estilo de juego y bueno, eh, tenemos que aprovecharlo al máximo para, para seguir con, con los mismos pasos. ¿Cuál es la principal diferencia? ¿Está más firme, resbala menos, la, la pelota rebota más uniforme? Eh, no, eh, corre, corre pareja, Tocayo, corre pareja, no se levanta tanto, eh, cuando la, la mojan, hermosa, el, el, pase, el pase va fuerte, no se levanta, la verdad que está perfecto. Gracias, Tocayo, un abrazo. Abrazo. The question was on the conditions of the new, the new pitch, the new, the new field, and Pharaoh responded, "Yes, it's very beautiful. Uh, it's it's perfect. Um, it definitely helps us when we go out and play, and and, um, and it actually fits well to our style of play as well. So, uh, very happy uh, with the new field, um, and, and just very uh, very excited for to have that in, in, at our home city." All right. Thank you very much, Carlos and Pedro, and congrats again on the victory. Okay, we will be moving to the Q&A section of the show momentarily. Uh, if anybody has any questions or comments that they want to add into the show, those of you who are currently listening live, go ahead and put those into the chat, and we'll get around to them. Now, before we went back to the press conference, Colin, you were finishing a thought, if you want to go back to that, and then if uh, Alex or Jamin ends up jumping back in too, uh, if you want to rebut or add on, now would be a good time to do that before we move on to the last segment of the show. Uh, yeah, everybody obviously feel free. I don't actually know if, if there's anybody who disagrees with me on this call or otherwise now that I've had a chance to look at it again. My my video quality was poor because I couldn't get it streaming on my Roku for some dang reason. Um, so I actually had to kind of check it out um, on my computer. But now that I've seen it up close, it's a red because, as I said, his trailing right foot um, kind of slides a little bit into an unexpected position. So it is kind of accidental and unfortunate, but... Yeah, if you step on somebody's ankle like that, you're you're gonna get a red card, and I think that that's a fair enough uh, assessment. Weird as though it may be. Anyway, um, th but I, I actually I think I want to kick it to Alex because he visibly reacted when Fiora was talking about uh, Cade Cowell's future. So we got to talk about that for a second. Yeah, I think that was the the first time that anybody just came out and said that they you know see Cade Cowell making the jump to to Europe uh, really soon. Uh, and, you know, based on the performance today, I, I don't think he's entirely wrong. Um, you know, I think this season is going to be really, really in, important for Cade uh, in showing that, you know, he can succeed in MLS. We got glimpses of how good he could be last season. Uh, now is the time for him to prove it. And, you know, today I think he, he really did that. He had a gorgeous assist, uh, a brilliant finish with his left foot. Uh, and so, you know, if he continues to play like this, then, you know, I think in a year or two, uh, once he turns 18, importantly, uh, I think he could be, uh, you know, considering options abroad in Europe. Um, one last uh, thing, Phil, if I may, is just bring, because I've seen this in the chat at both the beginning and now as well about Haji uh, coming on right at the end. I think he's kind of like a fan favorite just because of his overall technical level. 
Um, and I have loved him since his college tape for this. His technical level is not, you know, off the charts. There's some other parts of his game that are less complete. Does this signal that Almeida is more confident in him that he actually might be moving towards that starting lineup? I think it's a game where it's a three three one game, right? And did he come? I don't know. Remember if he came on at three zero three one, but I do think that I think Almeida is got the opportunity here. There's a couple things, right? You got five subs, right? Every single game, you should be giving one of those subs to somebody who can try to prove something to you that you're not going to see necessarily in practice. Today, Said Haji got that opportunity and he looked great. We know that Almeida hasn't been the highest on his defensive ability in the past. So is he making steps on that? It's hard to say, right? Because he's coming in in a game where, you know, you're you're down a man due to a red card, but you're up two, three goals. Um, you know, obviously, like as you say, Colin, his technical ability is kind of off the charts good. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch him. I always enjoy getting to see him. Uh, hopefully Almeida enjoys it as much as we do. But my guess is Almeida is not in it for the entertainment value. He wants to see him take certain types of steps on the field, right? Um, but but it should be somebody every game. It should be. Why don't Why don't you let me get carried away, Jamin? You just got to let me get carried away with this one. I, I'm here to hold you in check, Colin. Well, here's the thing, Colin. I just think that there are lots of players above him on the depth chart. We haven't even talked about Irios, who I guess he still exists, even though uh, he hasn't really been uh, featured yet this season. Uh, so I think, you know, Rios is ahead of him on, on the depth chart. I think Shea Salinas on the wing is probably ahead of him in, in the depth chart. So, you know, it was really nice to see him get a feature today and uh, yeah, the comments are right. He had an absolutely gorgeous moment there at the end with a little flick in to, to start a counterattack. And that was actually a brilliant move right on. Uh, everything but the finish, if, if you recall that that counterattack at the end. Uh, but I don't see him, you know, getting a starting spot anytime soon because there's just too many players ahead of him in the lineup. Before we so, go to Q&A, Phil, if I could, just uh, because Jamin and I, you know, by the way, absolutely sign up as a patron here uh, of Quake's Epicenter. One of the things you get access to is we have a Slack channel where our kind of our, I think it's our $5 level patrons are all uh, members and all the writers and contributors are on it. Um, it's a good time. We get to occasionally say stuff in there that we can't say necessarily on Twitter. Um, so you kind of get some good inside info. One of the things that was, that came up there that I just kind of wanted to surface is uh Asher Cohn, one of our writers, suggested that that was a really ugly 3-1 win. Jamin, it sounded like you agreed with him. Alex and I were kind of more on the optimistic side of like, actually, I was pretty comfortable with that. So Jamin, I just wanted to put it to you, but you know, give us the case of why that was maybe a little bit smoke and mirrors for you. Well, I think a lot of it came down to those, those first 10, 15 minutes, right? It, it could have easily, from a probability perspective, when you look at like expected goals and things like that, right? You look at chances and big chances and things like that. That's a, that's a situation in which most teams probably wouldn't escape without giving up a goal, right? And that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to get JT's perspective on it. Did they clean it up? Yeah, but then they also, around 70, 80 minute, right? And part of it was the red card, but also they, they started really tiring down, even with five subs. So I think part of it is fitness. I think part of it is uh, nerviness in front of the home crowd, maybe in front of fans for the first time and in, in over, you know, it's been over a year, right? So, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. It's only the second game of the season. It, it was messy. 
but they came away with a 3-1 win. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, one of the things that's going to be true about this team is they're going to give up goals. We know we know that's going to happen. They probably haven't solved the set piece issues. They just haven't faced a team yet that knows how to do anything with it. Um, and, you know, they gave up a goal where the, the other team basically waltzed down the middle of the field, right? So I don't think like the fundamentals of, of this particular team is going to be much different than last year. Um, the question is, can they outpace, you know, on the goal side, can they put more goals in the net than they did last year in order to make that goal differential get smaller and smaller after two games, it's hard to say, but I could have seen a situation in which we were talking about a very different outcome. If FC Dallas finishes off one of those chances earlier in the game that they probably, uh, should have finished off. They had probably three or four really good opportunities in the first half. I don't know all ended in shots, but there were some definitely dangerous situations that probably should have been in the net. And if you're FC Dallas and you're one of their fans, you're looking at this going like, that's an opportunity lost. Uh, that's on us. Like we should have done better. The Quakes didn't win this game and take it from us. We didn't grab the brass ring that we had at the beginning of the game. I, I, to give a brief rebuttal, I think that um, I, I share a lot of Jamin's concerns going forward. I think that Dallas showed, uh, you know, the way to probably beat the Quakes, which is to press them high, to force turnovers, then to counterattack them right down the middle. Uh, and I, I think if, you know, better, more, uh, you know, effective teams do that, teams like Minnesota United and, and the Seattle Sounders who've done that so well in the past, if they do that against the Quakes, the Quakes are going to struggle. But uh, I guess my rebuttal is that I thought that this was a pretty comfortable win. I, I agree with Colin. And, you know, maybe it's not repeatable. Uh, maybe there aren't that many, you know, repeatable patterns in in terms of, like, the goal-scoring chances. Uh, but I thought it was pretty comfortable. And, you know, they put the ball in dangerous positions. That's how they won the penalty. You know, that's how uh, they scored their goals. And, you know, then they they played well on the counterattack in the second half. So I thought it was a pretty comfortable victory. And if if Matias, if, if I were Matias Almeida, you know, I'd be pretty happy with this result, given, especially given how much he usually struggles at the start of the season. Let's bear in mind that I think this is the first game that uh, the Quakes have won. That's the, you know, the set, the earliest game the Quakes have won in the season under Matias Almeida, uh, you know, in, in his first season in charge of the club, they lost, you know, their first four games last year, uh, you know, they lost and they drew in their first two games. You know, to get a win in their home opener, I think is important. And if I, if I were Matias Almeida, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, especially considering the first two minutes of the match and how that went. And it kind of all fit into his philosophy of how the team should or can come together to, uh, you know, to come back and play against that sort of, an, you know, what happens to them in the beginning of a match. Jamin, uh, you mentioned the set pieces being a possible liability in the future. And I was just thinking, too, before you said that it's a good thing the Quakes don't have NYC FC coming up on their calendar anytime soon because they scored five set piece goals against Cincinnati today. So that is something that's going to have to be considered. And going back to that discussion too, about having a physical presence at, uh, and on the back line, possibly the center back position and that being a possible signing for the team moving forward. So I would actually like to go in and transition to some of the questions that folks have been asking in the chat. Um, we have one from YouTube from Brian uh, about, <laughs> I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Brian. Um, he asks, I don't know if you can bring that up, Alex. There it is. Has Remedy earned a starting role? Here's here's something about uh, that that I think is important to keep in mind is that when Remedy is in on this 
uh, in this roster and when he's on the field, they are going to be playing different tactically than when Judson is on the field, especially because he is going to also like Jackson Yule going to be playing as a pivot for the team rather than as a destroyer, what we'll, as what we'll normally see with Judson. So um, I just think that maybe we shouldn't think of it as a question of whether or not Remedy is taking Judson's spot, because I don't know that it's necessarily up for grabs. I just think that it adds another tactical option for the team moving forward. So maybe if you guys want to take another question or if you have additional thoughts on Remedy and his performance I mean, and his role with the team. I, I, I can add to that a, a little bit, Phil. Um, you know, I think that Remedy had some good moments. I think he had some good picks in the midfield, especially in transition. And I think that a lot of people saw that and thought, you know, this was a pretty strong performance from Remedy because they were launching a couple of counterattacks. Uh, but you know, I just don't think he has the partnership there with Jackson in the middle in the middle yet. That Jackson looked pretty un, untethered without uh, without Judson in the middle. And uh, I, I, the Quakes just the bottom line is they really need Judson in there. And I'd be interested to see what a Judson Rometty partnership looks like. Actually, if Jackson Ewell has trouble uh, finding his form this season, I'd be really interested to see you know how Rometty plays when he's given a little more freedom to 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 play further forward. Uh, so uh, I, I would expect that when Judson's fully fit, which, you know, on the evidence today, he, he got got in late in the game, you know, might be a week or two, maybe uh, tops. Uh, I, I think it'll probably go back to Jackson and uh, Judson in the middle. But I, I'm curious to see as well what it would look like with Rometty and and Judson in there. Yeah, I, I actually would like to, to see that, too. Um, you know, Jackson hasn't hasn't shown his best form even starting with the preseason roots game and in the last couple of games. And that's despite the fact that he was the best player on the pitch for the U23s, you know, at, uh, at the recent CONCACAF Olympic qualifiers. It's very interesting. It's taking him, you know, already these three games in order to kind of start to find that form again. Hopefully it doesn't take much longer. If it does, he might just need some rest. It might be that, you know, all the travel and everything, uh, having to basically carry that team, let's be honest. Uh, you know, at the at the U23s, you know, he might just right now, he might just need a quick mental break. Um, give him a game or two off. Let's see how it goes with Remedy and Judson if necessary. And because, you know, as Colin, as you've mentioned already, Remedy and Ju and uh, and Yule are actually can be a lot alike, although Remedy probably doesn't have the switching ability uh, that Jackson Yule has. But right now, the accuracy hasn't been there. Uh, Yule hasn't really added that much over the last a couple of games other than from, you know, his defensive responsibilities. I don't think he's been poor with them, but I think from the attacking side, he hasn't really been able to impress himself upon this. Is that him and Rometty? Maybe, but, you know, it, it doesn't take two to pass the ball. It just takes Jackson Ewell, you know, hitting the pass that's available to him, and that's something he's not doing right now. Okay, uh, why don't we move on to another question or comment, if we can get one up on the screen here. Is it time to stop playing short from, I guess I should read them aloud, right? Because we're, we're converting this into podcast form too. Is it time to stop playing short from the back? Looks like it gets us in trouble, and I'm not sure the benefits outweigh the risks. This is from Jose on YouTube. Uh, Colin, can I toss it to you? Uh, no, it's not time to stop. Uh, there's a reason that all the, a lot of the best managers in the world and a lot of the kind of the most progressive managers in the world are focused so intently on playing it out of the back. It does potentially expose you to high risk if you're turning the ball over, but if you're playing it long, uh, the, the 
statistics are quite clear, you're going to lose the ball more often than you're going to retain it. Uh, and I think that too many managers, you know, or a lot of managers just saying like, look, the we're, we would rather have that chance of hanging on the ball and that the risk reward equation is in our favor. The other thing I would add is aside from the fact that that's compatible with the philosophy, is it's actually compatible with the personnel. JT Marcinkowski is one of the best players with his feet of any of the MLS goalkeepers. I really mean that. And I've watched him play since he was, you know, a, a teenager uh, in the academy. It, it's compatible with him. Alanis and Youngvirth are both ball playing center backs. Uh, you know, th this is a team that can do it. So I say they keep it going. Jamin, I actually am curious to for the data side of this, of if you had any perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, a lot of it has to do with personnel. I think you, you, you mentioned that because it's not just the personnel in the back, it's the personnel up top. You have to have the right player to be able to play long, who's going to be able to pull those balls out of the air. And you have to have a team that is set up to be able to win second balls. That's not something that the Quakes have shown in the past that they are really well set up to do. They don't have the right big man up top. That is not Cade Cowell. You cannot ask him to, to be basically a, a hold up aerial man. Uh, he's not going to be able to win those balls. One, he doesn't have the experience. Two, he doesn't really have the height advantage to be able to do that. And, and three, as Colin, you've already pointed out, uh, his strength is not playing with back to goal. So already you, you kind of got three strikes against it. What you really want to do is you want to play out of the back, beat the press, get a man advantage and let Cowell and Espinoza go running. That's your chance to get them in behind, just like they showed on the third goal today. Uh, sorry, second goal today. You want to get them out and running. That happened off of a corner, three passes, you're in behind, right? And so the same thing can happen when you play out of the back. You make those two or three right passes, you unlock the defense, and you're off and running with two of the fastest players in the league. You absolutely want to do that. If you play long ball, that allows them to sit back, and now getting in behind them with that speed is much, much less likely. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last question slash comment. Diane says... Zero mention of Youngworth. What are our thoughts on this, guys? Because uh, I feel like we covered a lot of other things that were probably, in my opinion, more significant matters during the match. By the way, D Diane, by the way, probably is one of our most faithful listeners, first from Black and the Soul last year and, and now already you, uh, this year. So thank you, Diane. She always has great comments. I don't agree with all of them, but I'm always entertained by them. And I, and I do read all the comments that people are putting over there. Um, he, I, you know, there's a, there's a question as to whether, you know, he was at fault for a couple of the danger situations, you know, earlier in the match. One of the things that FC Dallas was able to do successfully with him was kind of press him into the corner. It was one of their pressing triggers. They wanted to get a ball out to the side. I'm actually looking at the corner right now out the window. They wanted to get a ball out to the side and get Youngworth kind of caught in that corner. And every time he did, he played the ball out of bounds. So they saw something in the pressing trigger uh, that, and I know typically he's a pretty good ball playing center back, but in certain situations, he's not, he's not that, that good. He's a little bit better when you can get him more in the center of the pitch than on the sides of the pitch. And uh, you know, it was something that they definitely keyed in on. It's something the quick should watch because now if I'm, watching the tape back on this game and I'm DC United, I'm probably noticing that particular situation and going like, Hey, if we see Flo Young, we're getting the ball in the corner, we're going to press him. Right. So you have to convince the other team that you're going to hurt them. Uh, if you try to use those types of pressing triggers, it's going to be on Flo to be able to figure that out. Defensively, 
Um, yeah, there was a couple interesting situations today, but um, the real danger uh, early on actually came from Christian Espinoza losing his man and forcing Flo to actually cover two guys. And then the quick cut inside, Flo didn't know which direction to go, but that's not his fault. He shouldn't have been caught in that situation to begin with. Um, could he have handled it a little bit better? Yeah, maybe, but again, it wasn't his his doing to begin with. Um, but, you know, that that's my take on Flo Youngworth for today. By the way, the, the comment from Diane is actually an interesting prompt because the fact that we're not talking about him is in and of itself kind of a statement because after the first game, you couldn't not talk about him because of some very glaring mistakes. Uh, it, it was it was better today. It, you know, not necessarily super strong, and I think that we all agree that that is an area the team can improve on, and that's just uh, it's something that allows me to reiterate something that uh, Jamin got earlier this week. We got this awesome exclusive that the team was going to reposition Chofis Lopez as a designated player and enter Marcos Lopez into the U22 program to basically free up cap space and TAM space to go make another signing, and they've been fairly clear that that's going to be oriented towards a center back. And although I don't think they've said so explicitly, I think it's pretty clear that Flo is the guy that they want to upgrade on. Flo has been a good player for this team for a long time, but he has some mistakes in him. He's not perfect for Almeida. Uh, and I think that the team, that Jesse Fiorinelli kind of recognizes that that's, uh, that's where they got to make that improvement. And so for anyone who uh, you know hasn't already, go back and watch the video on that. It's all part of the content that we're putting out as kind of part of this new Aftershock collaboration. Cool. So, um, Alex, looks like you have one more thing you want to add. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I'll, I'll add uh, about Flo is that, you know, I, I think he had a solid game today. And, and to be honest, uh, I quite like him. Uh, it, it's just that, uh, you know, he's not the right player, I don't think, to, to play uh, in Matias Almeida's system uh, in center defense because he takes a lot of risks and he doesn't always have, you know, the pace to, to recover. And, you know, I don't think that he – uh, was punished for that at all today. But, you know, coming against top teams, uh, I, I'm worried about that. And I really commend him, actually, for uh, his his positive attitude because, you know, he, he's been asked to play in this role that he's not really comfortable in. You know, when he made the move to center back a couple of years ago, uh, he, you know, you know, he expressed his frustration with that. And so I absolutely commend him for, uh, you know, taking such a positive attitude and a sort of gung-ho spirit uh, about that. Um, but... You know, I think analyzing the situation as it is right now, you know, the Quakes need a DP center back to, to take the next step up. All right, great. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show today, whether you're on YouTube or if you're listening on a podcast app right now. Um, you could, if, if you enjoy the show, follow us on social media because the coverage does not stop here. It continues on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can find us through Quakes Epicenter. You can also find us on the uh, Quakes Epicenter website. This is www.quakesepicenter.com. And another thing that's really important to us, we have Patreon. So if you would like to become a patron to contribute to the content that we're putting out to, be a, to become a part of this family, it only costs $2 a month. That's all you have to pay. And you get special access, sneak peeks, and, and early releases of upcoming content and patron-only polls on content ideas. We also have two other tiers at $5 and $15 a month that come with additional perks. If you go to our website, check out Patreon, you can find out all the additional information about that. So I just want to say again, thanks to everybody for tuning in, and go Quakes. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.